Okay, friends, if you have a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to open it up to Matthew chapter 14 this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, that is okay. There are some in the seats. We'll also have all of the scripture up on the screen behind me. And if you are here and you don't have your own copy of the Bible, but you would love your own copy of the Bible, uh, you're also in the right place because we have copies for you. We would love to be able to provide a Bible for you. And all you need to do is see me or Pastor Luke or Vinny after the service. Uh, all the Bibles are out in the, um, in the coffee bar and we'll make sure we, we get you one. Okay. Uh, we're going to look at a, a really familiar, or I think it's a familiar, even culturally familiar. If you're not familiar with the Bible, um, there's a good chance that you're familiar at least with the story that we're going to look at today. And it's the story of uh, Peter, at least for a brief moment, walking on the water. Uh, so let's look at, uh, let me read the story for you. Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, Save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. There's a few points that I want to make here at the beginning because uh, I think that they... I know that they've been applicable in my life, and I am, I'd be willing to bet that if they're applicable in mine, that they're applicable in yours as well. Um, and they kind of stand alone from, they kind of stand alone from the trajectory of the rest of the message this morning. So we're just going to call these kind of two, like, relatively stand, standalone points to, um, to the message here this morning, right? Uh, and it's this, if you look at uh, verse, or chapter 14, verses 22 and 23, you'll see something that Jesus does that, uh, that we, in a culture where we don't exercise, uh, we call, I call it the no muscle. Anyone know what the no muscle is? Like it, it takes a lot of exercise to strengthen your no muscle, which is your ability and your desire, and your willingness to regularly say no. Because we generally are in a, 
in a culture, and we generally, people generally have attitudes that, that we, we just always say yes to everything, right? The, the more things, the better. The more full the schedule, the more full the calendar, the better, the better it is, right? We're, we're staying busy. We're embracing the grind, right? We're, uh, uh, every, every minute, every second is packed. Uh, and Jesus does something, not just here, but in several places in the gospel, where he recognizes that boundaries are necessary. Even in the midst of ministry, even in the midst of serving others, even in the midst of feeding and healing and, and blessing others, Jesus recognized that there was a li- there, there needed to be temporary limits. Like, no, hold on. I need to, we need to pause here, and I need to get some separation. And I need to draw some boundaries around my time, and I need to draw some boundaries around the time of my people. Okay? Um, because being so busy that you don't have a second to breathe or rest, or recuperate, or be with your family, is not a badge of honor. And I even catch myself doing this sometimes, as a way to like try to legitimize how important I am, right? When someone says, "Hey, hey, how you doing?" Oh, so busy, right? I'm so busy, right? And and that becomes a like. Oh, yeah, me too, me too. I mean, what would, what would change if you were like, hey, h- how you doing, how you doing? Ah, I took three naps yesterday. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, you know, I'm embracing the nap time, right? Right? Naps are the new grind. Naps are the new hustle, right? Right? And that's not a thing people say. Right? Because it's generally looked upon as being a negative thing to, to, to embrace rest, to not be busy. But look at what Jesus says here, right? Immediately, or what Jesus, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, what crowd is he talking about? Well, in verses 13 through 21, Jesus had just got done ministering to, it says, a crowd of thousands, feeding them, healing them. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. It's a remote place. They didn't have any food, so he, he fed them, and they, people just kept bringing their, their sick and their hurting and those, those needing healing to him, and he healed, 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 healed. And then it was like, Jesus was like, okay, guys, talking to his disciples, I need you to get in the boat, right, and push out to shore, okay, essentially saying, if we don't create the boundaries, the crowd's not going to, we need to be, we need to create the separation, they're not gonna, they're not gonna create it for us, right, so he sent, he dismissed them, right, and said, I'll meet you on the other side of the lake, and then after he dismissed those around him, what did, what did he do? Did he go back to the crowd and just 
Embrace the grind of serving. Embrace the grind of helping. Embrace the grind of healing. Embrace the grind of miracle working. No, he's like, I'm out. I'm out. And he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, he says. Listen, good leaders, this doesn't matter if you're leading your home, leading your spouse, leading your children, leading at work, leading at church, leading in your community, or listen, you know who the most important person that you have to lead in your life is? It's you. You've got to lead yourself well first, right, before you can lead anyone else. And good leaders protect their personal boundaries and the boundaries of those around them. By recognizing the necessity of and the power of saying no. That, that, that power, the power of ser- saying no, um, is critical to, to your personal longevity. And listen, saying no even in the midst of legitimate need was a regular practice of Jesus himself. He had a whole crowd of people there that he could have continued to love on and serve and heal and feed. And Jesus knew that critical to the longevity of his ministry, however long it would be, was the necessity of him to say, I need some space, I have some boundaries, I need to get away so that I can pray. And Jesus, in verse 23, and you'll see all the way out through the rest of the Gospels, Jesus often said no to people. Often said no to people by removing himself from the place so that he could say yes to solitude and prayer with the Father. See, often when we say yes continually to everything, we don't, we don't count like the opportunity cost of saying no. Right? And on the other side of saying yes to everything is us saying no to other things. And in Jesus' life, what he exemplified was that when he said no to other people, it allowed him to say yes to solitude and prayer with the Father. But if he consistently said yes to other people, you would have to say no to solitude and prayer with the Father. And so understand that your yes on one side means a no on the other. And vice versa. Your no on one side means a yes on the other. We need to embrace a culture of saying no and having it be still spiritual and Jesus-like and, good, and a good example. I would, I, would love, I would love to create a culture of no here. Creating a culture of no would be a really good idea. Someone should do that. Maybe I will. Yeah, we can do that. Okay, so thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um, uh, <laughs> um, okay, so like I said, stand, that's maybe a little standalone, standalone like example from the life of Jesus, right? But now getting into the rest of the story, of course, which is the, the, um, this grand story of Peter walking on the water. 
And uh, if we look at the details of the story again, see in verse 23, after Jesus had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Uh, But the boat, right, he couldn't get in the boat because it was a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves and the wind that was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Listen, here, when, 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 we, talk about, when we talk about, like, if we use the wind, if we use the, the thing that took the boat far away from the place maybe where it was supposed to be, right? If we use the wind uh, analogous to like um, kind of difficulty in our life, a uh, personal struggle, a trial, a, a time where we feel like there is wind against us, right? Like we're walking into the wind. Nothing is easy, nothing, everything is, everything is difficult, right? Uh, my mental health is bad, my emotional health is bad, the health of my relationships around me, like nothing, everything seems to be in turmoil all of the time. And we look at a situation like this, and we gotta, gotta imagine like that the disciples being way out in the middle of the lake probably did not expect to be pushed out that far. Right? There was this, there was this 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 sense of like the sense of frustration that built up in them because they, they had anticipated that when Jesus pushed them out into the lake and said, hey, go chill out there, I'll be back in a little while, that they probably had this expectation in their mind that they would go out just a little, a little bit, right? And then they would come back in and Jesus would get on the boat and then they would go someplace else. So their, their expectations in that moment were dashed. They were, they were destroyed and so they had they had built it up in their mind about how they thought it was gonna, the situation was going to be, and now it wasn't like that at all. And not only was it not like that, their expectations have been completely destroyed, but the, the ongoing conditions, like the weather conditions, the ongoing weather conditions still were not ideal. They were still faced with the wind. Now, I don't know about you, but um, when things do not go as I expect them, to go. <laughs> it's happened quite a bit in my life, right? Yours too. When things do not go as I expect them to go, and when the conditions are still not ideal, right? They don't seem to be getting any better. Um, my mind does something really strange, although maybe it's not so strange, is that my, my imagination goes wild, right? And I create, I create scenarios, and I, I have fake conversations in my head, right? And, you know, like, I don't, my wife probably thinks I'm crazy, but, you know, you, like, does anyone else have their best arguments in the shower with the imaginary person in their head, <laughs> right? Like, holy cow, like, if that person was just here, I would win that argument, right? Okay? And... But, but this is what happens, is when, when, when we have a situation and expectations are not met and the conditions are still aren't ideal 
and then our imagination. The enemy plays tricks on our imagination, right? And we begin to create these wild and crazy scenarios that put us in a place of mental, emotional, spiritual, physical depression and despair or anger or loneliness or whatever the case. We just get into this place where we're like, ah, and Peter and the rest of the disciples kind of like experience the same thing because all of a sudden they look up and Jesus is walking on the water towards them and their mind, given the broken expectations and given the conditions that were still against them, right, the wind, they only had one answer to that. Holy cow, it's a ghost. Right? Now, created a lot of fanciful scenarios in my head in the midst of difficult circumstances and opportunities. I don't know if it's a ghost has ever been one of them, but there have been, like, but, but certainly, like, the, the, the way that the enemy plays upon your imagination, you can, you can get some pretty far out, whacked out, way outside of what is actually true or normal scenarios in your head when things don't go as you expected and they're not getting any better. Amen? Yeah? Are you with me? Is this a universal feeling or is it just me? It's just me. Okay, perfect. Um, here's the thing, right? And I think this is the thing that was evident in Peter's life and the thing that was evident in the disciples' life right now is that in the midst of their situation, fear had gripped them so tightly that they were unable to see or recognize that Jesus was right there with him, with them. That fear, wild imagination, broken expectations, current conditions of their life, right? That had so completely gripped their reality that they were unable to see that it was actually the miracle-working Jesus that was right there with them. I, I was kind of asking the Lord, Lord, is this true in my life? Do I see this in my life? Or Lord, help me understand this a little bit, a little bit more clearly, Father, because I know it up here, right? But it feels like the, the, that truth traveling that 12-inch distance, 12 distance from my head to my heart, that's a long distance to travel, and I'm having a hard time believing it. And so he made it, really, I mean, he made it abundantly clear from a situation that happens in my own life almost every day, Okay? And, um, and, and, and it's this, I, um, so I won't, I'm not going to name the child because now my children are getting old enough where um, they shouldn't be allowed to just be in my sermons without their permission. So, um, I have a child. <laughs> I have five, but I have one particular child that I take to bed every, almost every night, Okay. And that child's bedroom is at the very end of the hallway at, the, uh, at, at our house. It's a very, we have a big old farmhouse, and it's really dark back there. Okay? And usually when they go to bed, it's completely dark out, and their light is off in that room. Right? I say, okay, time to, time to go to bed. I'll, I'll walk to bed with you. 
right? Walking into a completely black and dark hallway. Now, if I am standing behind that child and ask them to go first into the dark and black hallway, nope. <laughs> Not happening. Not going to happen. It doesn't matter how close I am to them, right? If they can't, if they can't see me, right? all they see is what? The scary, dark room and hallway. That's all they see. Now, the whole situation changes if I just do this. And I step in front, right? And now I go down the hallway first, and my child is behind me because they no longer see the big scary thing that they've created in their imagination that's down the hallway. What do they see? They see me, right? They see, they see their father. So if I'm, if I'm behind my child, all they see is the fear. If I'm in front of my child, all they see, all they see is their father. And it completely changes their imagination, their actions, their heart, right? Their, their, the, the things that they're doing, right? Because they, their focus has changed. Their perspective has changed. Now, in, in verse 27, right, Jesus, it seems, recognizes the fear that the disciples are struck with and does not allow them to sit in that fear. He says in verse 27, But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now I originally see that, and we originally see that word courage, and we get these, we get these pictures in our mind of what it means to be courageous. Right? And what it means to, like, um, not, be, not be afraid. And we typically think of courage as this, like a, um, hey, just stop thinking about all the fear and just do it anyway. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, man up, get through it, and do it. Be, just be more brave. Just, just choose a different mindset. Uh, raise your hand for how often that works for you. Oh, just change it. Just, oh, I'm, I'm afraid, and all I need to do is just not be afraid to get, okay, okay, got it, right? Or things are difficult, or I'm anxious, or I am, de or I am depressed, right? Or I am like in this despairing situation in life, and all I need to do is to not think that way, and then everything changes, right? Take, just take courage, okay? And the reality is, is like, that's when Jesus uses the word courage here, the word, the word courage, at least in the original language that he uses was meant to denote two um, comparative principles or characteristics. One was comfort, and one was peace. So it would have been similar to Jesus for us. In the English translation, it's just like, hey, take courage. 
But the disciples would have heard hey, experience comfort, experience peace. Why? Not because of just Jesus saying that, but because of who was saying it. Jesus said, hey, didn't, didn't just say, hey, just, just, just man up. Just stop, stop being afraid. Like, look past your circumstances. No, Jesus says, hey, take comfort and take peace because I am here. It is I, Jesus said. Be at peace, take comfort, it is I. Jesus told them to be at peace and comfort, not because their circumstances were changing, but because he was with them. Not because he expected that the inner voice of their like inner turmoil and their broken expectations about the situation and the, the current conditions still at them and their imagination that had run wild. Don't just change all of that. Don't just change your internal voice. But no, recognize that in this moment, I am here with you. I am here. Comfort and peace. I, Jesus, I am bringing it to the situation. I am here. Now, Peter gets a little bold. Um, and I am convinced that at this point, he still does not believe that it is Jesus. And the reason that I'm convinced that he still doesn't believe is Jesus is because he's like, okay, Jesus, if that's you, uh, prove that you're really here. Prove that you're really with me, Jesus. Prove it. And how does he, how does he say prove it? He's like, if that's really you, Jesus, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. I think, Jesus, I think Peter was like, I'm going to call this bluff because I am, I am certain that is a ghost. Given everything that's happened, given the conditions, given that the waves are still crashing over the boat, given like the wild imagination, I am absolutely certain that that is not you, Jesus. That is a ghost trying to play a trick on me. So if you are here, Jesus, if you are indeed here with me, then tell me to come to you. All right, fine. How about I just walk on the water with you, Jesus? And Jesus, like, just calmly says, come. Okay. Come out on the water. I... I've asked myself this question a lot this past week. Is I asked myself, okay, I, this is that, that was Peter's response, right? Tell me to come, tell me to come to you out in the water if it's really you, Jesus. And I have been asking myself the question, or the Spirit of the Lord has been asking me, is like, how do I ask Jesus to show up when things are difficult for me? Like when things get really difficult. When, like, my expectations are not met, they're broken. When the, like, weather conditions are still at me, coming at me, right? When my imagination is still creating all of these 
fake scenarios that keep me in anxiety and depression and insecurity and anger and all that. Like, how do I ask Jesus to show up on my behalf? How do I ask him to prove that it's him that's with me rather than just a ghost walking on the water? And almost every time, right, and I realize this, almost every time I ask him to remove the circumstances that are causing the broken expectations, the, the, the bad conditions in my life, or the scenarios that I've made up in my head. Lord, I want you to remove the fear. I want you to remove the insecurity. Lord, I want you to remove the anxiety. I want you to remove the hardship. Lord, take all the difficult things that I'm experiencing, and I want you to take them away. That is how you can prove that you are with me here in this moment. The amazing thing about what Jesus said, or about Jesus' interaction with Peter, though, is that Jesus didn't say, Okay, Peter, come out to me, but first let me calm this storm around you. Peter. Peter didn't calm the storm. He didn't change the conditions. He didn't take away the fear. Jesus called Peter to himself, despite the circumstances and the environment that was around him. Because, I mean, Peter really did have this like moment of brilliance when he said, tell me to come to you on the water. Even Peter didn't say, hey Lord, um, calm the waves, make the water look like smooth as glass so it will even look like I can walk on it, right? Make the circumstances ideal in my life, right? Now Peter just said, okay Lord, well, tell me to come to you. Where was Peter's focus? Peter's focus was on Jesus, right? Tell me to, like, fix my eyes on you and then come. And in Peter's moment of, like, brilliance, essentially asking the right question, tell me to come to you, he experienced something that most people can only imagine. <laughs> He literally walked on water. Now, we would love if that was the end of the story, right? Peter walked on water all the way to Jesus, threw his arms around him. This fantastic moment, another miracle where, where, where Peter, um, like, rose above his fear and rose above the circumstances of his life and the hardship and the wind and the waves because he, he trusted in Jesus and he relied on Jesus and, and it was this great story that we can all live by. But what happened? What actually happened? Right? He began to sink. Then Peter got down out of the boat. Verse 29 walked on water, and came towards Jesus. But what was the moment 
that Peter began to sink. Verse 30. There is a, a definitive switch, right? Something happened in Peter's mind, in his eyes, in his heart, in his life, in everything, right? It is the moment where um, he says in verse 30, but, but, he was walking on water, but when he saw the wind, all the waves, right? Once again, like, he began to sink. There was this definitive switch in the focus of Peter. Where he went from focusing his attention on the one that called him in the midst of the storm and said, I'm, hey, yeah, I'm here, just come. And I got to imagine that, like, when Peter got out of the boat, it was kind of one of these things, not like a, huh, like testing it to make sure, right? But it was like a, kind of almost like a, what's happening here? What, what, what just happened? Oh my gosh, it's windy. The waves, right? They're crashing and, uh, and then he begins to sink. It became a moment where the focus of Peter's attention, his mind, his imagination, his expectations, the Conditions of all that were happening in that moment shifted away from Jesus and shifted towards the circumstances. And it was in that moment that Peter started getting wet. Sinking all the way down. The storm became the center of Peter's focus. And he forgot in that moment who called him out on the water. And that is what made the difference. That is what made the difference for Peter. Now, there is this, we have this, like, spiritual principle and reality over here that's exemplified in the story of Peter and this instance with Jesus where if we were to like parse everything else away and we were to say like, okay, in the midst of difficult life circumstances, keep your eyes focused on Jesus rather than the circumstances in order to experience comfort, peace, and to, for lack of a better term, overcome or rise above the effect of those things on your life. So we have that, like, that's, that's the thing that would be, like, in a book in your Sunday school class, right? Spiritual principle. Focus on Jesus, not your circumstances, and uh, he will help bring comfort and peace by his presence in your life. Okay. And then there's the other side of it, where, which is where most of us are, right? which is like, but yeah, how? 
Well, how? 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 Because one of the most difficult things to do in the middle of really super difficult circumstances is to not focus on them. You know how to fix it, right? You gotta arrange it. We gotta tweak the circumstances so that things are different. We um, have to meddle over here and meddle over here and meddle over here and like making up circumstances or like imagination still running wild and the wind still blowing and like, I, I don't know how to do this, right? Like, and I want to give you, this is the silver bullet, right? It's not really a silver bullet, right? It's the thing that you would expect any pastor to say, I would hope, anywhere, right? Have you considered, ha have you maybe considered asking Jesus to help you keep your eyes focused on him in the midst of your difficult circumstances rather than on your circumstances. Well, jeez. I suppose I had not considered asking Jesus for his help keeping my focus on him. I've been taking up all my time asking him to just kill the guy I don't like. Take away my anger. Remove my insecurity. Take away my depression. Take away my anxiety. I've been asking him to take all of those things, take away all of those things, and he hasn't been doing it, so I just assumed that he wasn't there. Well, it's easy to assume that Jesus isn't standing right there on the water with you when you're looking at the waves and you're sinking. Right? But when Jesus calls us out of the boat, he calls us to himself. Hey, hey, come and be, be with me, because with, with me and in, my, and in my presence and always around me is comfort, is peace, is courage, is joy. And yeah, if you're over here, even standing right next to me in the midst of your circumstances, focusing on all of the reasons you are and should be sinking, you're going to sink. But sometimes all of it takes, right? All it takes is for us to be like, one more time, Heavenly Father, help me. Help my focus. If you can... We, I, <laughs> this is funny. We... We've got several kids in various stages of, I want to say potty training, but it's more like pooping their pants most of the time. <laughs> it's not, we're not really training anything but our patients. Um, it's just real talk, okay? It's going to be a real talk with you. Um, and we've told, our, we've told our kids, a few of them, just this like, really simple thing. We're like, I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what else to do. How, let's try this, okay? Um, <laughs> if you feel like you've got to go to the bathroom, just stop and think, where should I go to the bathroom at? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I'm telling you, man, like, oh, Lord, help me not to sink. Um, but it really, like, 
it really works. <laughs> like 90% of the time, it works 50% of the time. And so, because <laughs> a, a kid will come running into the house, I stopped to think. <laughs> okay, then go to the bathroom, please. Go, go, go. Right? And I just can't help, I just can't help but believe that our Heavenly Father, in the midst of difficult circumstances, sometimes is just like, hey, just stop and think. Stop and think. Jesus, right here, with you, comfort, peace, courage, hope. Ask him. Ask him. He wants to. That's the reason he's there. Ask him to help you. Keep your eyes focused on him. Stop and think. So in the midst of preparing, I'm like, you know, Lord, I, I need to write a prayer for myself. I need to write this, like, asking prayer. This stop and think prayer. Okay? So this is one of those moments where you're like, if you got a phone, you want to take a picture, right? You need help praying through this prayer. This is a great time. Take it out. Snap a picture of this prayer or something like it, right? Heavenly Father, I am scared. I am overwhelmed. And I don't know how much more of this I can take. But I know that you are in control and that you are here with me. Give me the grace necessary to shift my focus from the details of my circumstance to the presence of Jesus with me. Help me to keep my eyes glued to Jesus, not my circumstances, so that I am not overcome. Just stop and think. Stop and think. And ask the Lord, Lord, in these moments, give me blinders for you, Lord. I don't want to see anything else. I don't want to see the waves. I don't want to see the wind. I don't want to see my doubt. I don't want to see my insecurity. I don't want to see that broken relationship. I don't want to see anything, Lord, but you, Father. Because if I look at anything else, I'm liable to sink. That's my direction. Father, keep my eyes focused on you. Focused on Jesus, Lord. And allow his comfort, his peace, his courage to be my own. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know and you see and you are aware of every circumstance of our lives. 
Lord, and we may have asked you for days, for weeks, for months, or even years to bring deliverance into our lives from what we're experiencing, from what we're going through. Lord, and we admit to having our own, like, our own version of what deliverance means and looks like. Well, the Lord's just going to give me this feeling of joy instead of depression. Or hope instead of like this despairing feeling about my life. Or in the midst of my insecurity, like the Lord is just going to, he's going to take that away and he's going to replace it with, with just confidence and, and security in who he has made me to be. Lord, and we will continue to pray those prayers because we believe, Lord, that you are a miracle working God who does uh, miraculous things ab- ab- above and beyond what we could ask, hope, or imagine. Lord, but we also know that in the midst of like praying about our circumstance and praying about our circumstance and praying about our circumstance and praying about our circumstance, that we may have missed the reality that Jesus has been standing right there with us the entire time. Telling us to take courage, to experience comfort, to experience his peace. Not because the circumstance is over, but because he is right there with us. And Lord, we may have said at times, there's no way that Jesus is here if I'm feeling like this, if I'm experiencing this. Lord, reveal to us the truth that Peter learned that day is that you don't need a change in circumstances to experience the miraculous power, comfort, hope, and peace that, Jesus, that Peter did. All that is required is this stop and think moment who is with us? The Lord of all creation. The Lord of heaven. The one who sits at the right hand of God. The one whom the scripture says all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. That every knee should bow and every tongue confess on heaven and earth and under the earth that Jesus is Lord. There is no one, no thing, no circumstance outside of his control, not under his lordship. The Lord of all heaven and earth stands right here with us and offers us in his presence his peace. Father, may we receive as we pray and ask that we would see Jesus no matter what the waves look like. In Jesus' name.
Amen.